Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Get the Hillman Morning Show on demand. Podcasts and more are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. Time to welcome to the studio the governor of the Commonwealth. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's time for breakfast with Baker. With the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, on WAAF. All right, the governor is here, and it's time for breakfast with Baker. He's shaking hands, kissing babies, although there's no babies around in the studio. And good morning and welcome. How are you? How you doing? Oh, I'm great. That Game of Thrones thing was just so awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. Whoa, what a way to end it. I can't oh, believe boy. that you're going to start with that. Well, first of all, let me just say, uh, you and I have something in common with regard to what we did this weekend. Yes, I believe I went to my daughter's graduation your, your, at uh, Miami your, of Ohio. Your daughter oh, graduated. Congratulations. So, um, sad she and, 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 and 4,000 other kids. 4,000? Yeah. Says, Big school. Sad and happy, right? Um, um I think mostly happy. Yeah. I, uh, from uh, from my wife's and my point of view, um, you know, I, I think I think she was ready to graduate too, yeah. and sort of get a job and yeah. um, get into what we what I'll describe as sort of the real world. Luckily, she lives in Massachusetts, where unemployment is so low. Two point nine percent, highest number of people working ever. Yes, yes that would be yes. Massachusetts. She's going to be at yes. work. Yes, this yes. morning. Yes, yes. Um, and it's nice to write that last uh, tuition check. Isn't oh my it? God, we wrote that in uh, January, and we took a picture of it. Yeah. Are you are are you um like are you concerned by by how expensive college yes, is and what's gonna, and what's going to? I mean, as a politician, do you think about that? I mean, there of has course. to be, there has to be some kind of. I don't think the solution is is free secondary education as so we, some as some so would we, say. Um, but, we did. Um, we did a bunch of things in the budget, some of which the legislature adopted and some of which they didn't. But um, we had in there, um, we wanted to bait. We, we've been piloting this early college and dual enrollment program, program where kids can, um, in, col- in high schools that choose to participate, can go to college, um, usually in conjunction with either a local university or a community college where they can start going to college when they're seniors, sometimes juniors in high school. Wow. And uh, and the cost of that particular credit is zero. And it gives kids a chance to test whether or not they want to go to college in some cases and whether or not they can do collegiate work. And I think we should bake. And it's been very successful, very successful. And um, it saves kids money. It gives a lot of kids a chance to sort of kick the tires on whether or not college is for them. It creates relationships between high schools and local colleges, which is a really good thing. Um, and we're, um, we would love to bake it right into the way we do education financing at the K-12 through level generally in Massachusetts. Hmm. Um, we also created a, um, which the legislature didn't adopt, but I hope um, 
I hope we get a, a second bite out. We created a $100 million uh, scholarship trust fund for uh, kids going to public universities in Massachusetts. Um, the, yeah, there's more we need to do on this one. Yeah. So please don't tell me that you were happy with that season finale of Game of Thrones <laughs> last night. You know, I, uh, I I thought it started out actually pretty well. I mm-hmm. liked the idea of walking through the carnage that Danny created with... Uh, with the dragon, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, um, and I thought that conversation that took place between John and uh, Tyrion on, on sort of the fact that Danny's clearly gone mad—that yeah. speech she gave was <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess it all turned for me when the dragon didn't just fry him, because yeah. I because my view is that's kind of what I would have expected the dragon <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to do at that point. Yeah. Um, and he clearly was the only one who could get close enough to her um, to take her out to, to actually take her out. Yeah. And um, but I, I'm I'm with these people who've written a variety of articles that have said the problem with this is it was it should have been more like eight or nine episodes. Well, that's what of HBO six. wanted. HBO wanted nine, but the writers didn't want to do nine. But they oh. ended up sort of slamming a whole bunch of stuff together to just try and you know either take people out or move the plot along without actually doing it with the sort of grace and and dignity that the show has shown for all these years yeah yeah. kind of like the show in the nine o'clock hour Uh, (laughs) yeah i thought the show in the nine o'clock hour was a great thing (laughs) this is why you're the best governor in the country you're what? having a full-on discussion with Hill Dog about, about Game, Game of, of Thrones? Thrones. Oh yeah, our governor watches. What was your of favorite Thrones. episode uh, of all time? Yeah. Or this? Well, listen. I I mean, hard not to this season really enjoy the battle episode. I mean, I thought even though it was a little dark, I I really enjoyed that. The so rest I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that. For me, it was just the fog of war. You know, yeah. everybody was like, "Well, I couldn't really tell what was going on." Well, I got news for you. If you talk to almost anybody who's ever been in combat they'll that, tell you, they'll that tell you it's on the a, ground it's it is really hard to yeah. know what's going on yeah all right so the governor not as disappointed i wish they'd as... showed i wish they'd given us a little more of a look into how aria actually got to where she got to take out i thought she was the right person to take out the the night king the night king for yeah. a whole bunch of reasons yes um, yes but i wish they'd given us a little more um guidance on how yeah. she got there and i was way off i thought that that both of the lannisters were not dead i thought that i thought they were going to rise from when you saw that little glimmer of of outside light i thought for sure that they had escaped and that, that but i was way off on that, that speaks to the That's, power of their personalities yes 100 100 percent. drop a building on top yes. of them and greg still doesn't believe they're dead uh all right let's how see about, this um, yes. how about the battle of the bastards that's yours all time all time yes yes uh, I mean, listen. I think it was a great show. I I don't I don't believe that uh, it's like Seinfeld. It, like Seinfeld was a great television show. Season finale was series finale was horrible, but that doesn't it doesn't ruin the whole entire I agree. show for me. How about you know? uh, look at all the people who were so upset when The Sopranos ended? Yeah, I know. I, I was one, and then uh, upon reflection, I actually I I like the way that show ended. So I don't know. That may happen here. All right, uh, this is Mary, and you're listening to Breakfast with Baker. Mary, what's going on? Um, hello, thank you for taking my call. Hello, Governor. I yep. think you're great. Um, hey, quick question. Um, I had heard this weekend that uh, Mayor Marty Walsh made an assertion that the uh, Ever Casino wasn't going to be allowed to serve alcohol till 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to know your opinion because 
Mayor Marty Walsh doesn't control um, Everett. And I live in Chelsea next door. I'm not a big drinker, but I think, you know, if you gamble, and you might want to be drinking a little. So I didn't know your opinion on that because you are the governor of the of the whole state. Yes, yes. Excellent question. Well, first of all, um, Mary, thanks for the kind words. The, the issue with respect to the license that uh, the Wynn Casino has, and this applies, by the way, to the licenses for the... Um, the slot parlor in Plain Ridge and to the MGM Casino in Springfield is they got to play by the same rules with respect to how late they can serve that everybody else plays by, which in Massachusetts at this point is uh, is one or two o'clock depending upon where you are. Um, and I think the I think what the mayor was saying is if you're going to change it, you got to change it for everybody. You can't just change it for them. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a lot of good reasons to think that way. I mean, I don't know how many of you have friends. I certainly do, who um, in their younger days would literally race from you know one town where it was midnight to the next town where it closed at one to the next cl- town where it closed at two um, in their cars driving from place to place late at night. Um, just not a, a not recipe a, a recipe a for thing. disaster in yeah. some respects. So um, I we, think the rules ought to be the same for everybody. We, we heard this weekend... And by the way, that's a decision that ultimately probably gets made through some combination of the city of Everett and the Gaming Commission. And the Gaming Commission. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Gaming Commission, uh, we heard this weekend that there are talks ongoing between MGM and Wynn with regard to the sale of that casino. Correct. Um, I am assuming that is because Wynn feels like they are the victims of essentially uh, leg- uh, legalized extortion uh, uh, by, the, by the Gaming Commission. I don't which know. I, well, I think Go it's ahead. ludicrous. Um, that he's pointing uh, his finger at me. I'm, I'm not pointing it at you. I'm pretty serious it, about I'm this one. Pretty cocky, I'm pointing it. At, I, I am pointing it at the gaming commission. No, I'm, how I'm is, just how, impressed with the uh, uh, level of intensity you're showing well, here? I, I'm just. I'm. I. I'm frustrated that we have the opportunity for a business to come into this state and put thousands of people to work. Fifty-eight hundred. Fifty-eight hundred people to work. Spend three billion dollars on a facility. And then we are clean telling, up a hazardous waste Superfund site. Correct. Yep. I think you're with me on this. I understand uh, where you're going. And 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 we're telling them you owe us $35 million? Pay it now before you open up? I, um, uh, it's, I mean, for something that happened elsewhere? Yeah. the uh, I'd say two or three things here. First, um, I think the Gaming Commission did the appropriate... Remember, there's a suitability standard that people are supposed to meet when they applied for that license in the first place. And that means that everybody who's part of your organization needs to sign something that's got some pretty heavy legal language attached to it, that they're telling you kind of the whole truth, nothing but the truth, blah, blah, blah. And it's pretty clear based on their investigation that when um, didn't tell them the whole truth. Now, they did a whole bunch of things to clean that up. And I think in respect, with respect to the gaming commission's decision, I, I believe they had to do something. Um, and I and I also believe that in the end, whatever happens with respect to this MGM win discussion, everybody needs to remember that um, MGM you can only have one license in Massachusetts under the, st- the way the state law currently works, and MGM has a an open facility operating in Springfield. And I'm also I also believe that under the law, um, once you open in a facility in a community, you can't just walk away from it without the permission. Of, uh, of of the local leadership there. And I, I have not talked to the mayor in Springfield about this at all. Um, I don't know if MGM's talked to him, but th- th- 
Springfield has a role appropriately to play in whatever happens with respect to MGM and their current operation in Springfield. Huh. People okay. shouldn't forget that. Yeah. When you say walk away, does that include a sale? Like say MGM wanted to sell to another casino company. Yeah, they would have to get permission. Have to they, would get the, they would get the approval of Springfield, yeah. Okay. Um, and the Gaming Commission, by the way. Um, here's a text uh, asking, as a Swampscott resident, how you feel about the proposed Northeastern University expansion into Nahant. I don't yeah. know anything about that. Yeah, I don't. It's a, it's a hot, hot button issue up in the North Shore. Oh, oh really? Really? Yeah. Hot button issue. Is it covered in the North Shore Beefs uh, Facebook group? <laughs> oh. No, we are strictly uh, beef related. Okay, like just, cow sla- just cow roast beef, beef. Just not roast like beef. Actual okay, yeah. arguments. Um, so. I'm. I'm. I actually am not up to speed at all on this one. Okay. Um, it's not Swampscott. It's in the hunt. Yep. And um, as I understand the issue, Northeastern has a pretty has had a pretty significant. There's an old military site up there um, that Northeastern turned into a um, marine science operation, and they study. They do a lot of pretty serious work on marine biology up there and uh they had a proposal to expand it and i actually am not aware of whether or not the state has a role to play in In that that or not and the last time i talked to people about this was literally six eight months ago so i'm not i'm not well enough briefed on what the current state of play is on that Devin. Speaking of small, small town politics, how about that board of selectmen race in Swampscott? That thing heated up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was wild. It did. It, what I actually, that I do know a little bit about. It did get, oh, you know, yes. It did get pretty interesting <laughs> toward the end. Yeah. Yes, it did. All right. The governor's here. It's Breakfast with Baker, his monthly visit to us. This is Brian. Hey, Brian, you're on with the governor. Brian. Brain. All right. I no. don't think Brian is there. Let me get mark on this morning hello mark good morning gregory what's up mark mr baker it is truly an honor the question that i have for you with that's been going around nationally and especially with the presidential campaigns that have been going on mr bernie sanders came out and said that he may propose an idea where convicted felons ally murderers and especially people like the boston marathon bomber uh would have legal voting rights behind bars to make decisions on presidential and local campaigns. I want to know personally your opinion on that matter that is near and dear to my heart. Okay. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm um I'm with uh Mayor Pete on this one. He um he got asked the same question during that town hall up in New Hampshire and said um if you are first of all terrorists should be treated completely differently in some respects than almost anybody else if you've already sworn if you've already sworn yourself as an enemy of this country then you know i could probably i would probably be pretty sympathetic to the idea that you should probably never have the right to vote um or very few other rights but what what mayor pete basically said which i i agree with is um if you're in jail um you haven't paid for your um for your crime you know when you get out of jail um you should be given back that right to vote, but when you're in jail, no. Can I ask a related question? How's it going on the dangerousness hearing proposal you had? Yeah, um, so we made a proposal to the legislature that was basically to deal with the fact that um, in Massachusetts, when you show up in front of a judge, you're only in very certain 
small number of circumstances can the court actually have a hearing on whether or not you are dangerous and therefore should be held prior to trial. And, um, and, and I would argue this is a loophole in our criminal justice system because there are so many crimes for which you can't even hold a hearing to determine if somebody's dangerous. And there was a good example of this recently up in Lawrence where um, a guy who was literally searching for young children to um, sexually abuse online. Wait, is Wayne Chapman? No, no, this is a different one. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I want to talk about that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, um, this was a, uh, he was searching online for a young child to abuse and he connected with one and he was arrested and charged with aggravated assault and rape on a minor. And um, that was deemed not one of the crimes for which you could have a dangerousness hearing and his bail was set <laughs> and I, mean, um, it was I know it's ridiculous and i actually think the legislature based on the i mean we had a pretty interesting conversation at the committee level about some of the details of our proposal i thought it was a good hearing i appreciated the fact that they held it fairly early in the session kudos to senator eldridge and to uh um the House chair of that committee. Don't look at LB and ask that. Wrong guy. He did just found out you're the um, governor. <laughs> very what? funny. Yeah. Um, what? House chair uh, Claire Cronin for getting together and having that hearing early. Um, they they asked a lot of what I would describe as good questions on details, but I think generally speaking, there's an appetite in the legislature to expand the number of things for which courts can hold dangerousness hearings. Now. Uh, with regard to Wayne Chapman. And let me just give you one example of why this matters. Um, there's an officer named Ron Tarantino, who's right. an Auburn police officer. You guys raised money for his yeah. family. Um, who was shot and killed at a drive uh, traffic stop by a guy who had had three encounters with law enforcement in the previous few months and was out um, on bail on um one of the more recent ones and two of them one of them involved assault and battery on a police officer the other one was a domestic violence crime um he'd be a perfect candidate for having that type of a hearing process before yeah. you let him out same with uh leftowich the guy down on the cape who killed sean gannon um and also a police officer from yarmouth and i um mickey rivera another one who um they let go um who was that one's an even more sad situation. He ended up getting into a chase with uh, the police and head-on collided with a young father who was on his way home from the hospital, a guy who actually served in Afghanistan yeah. and is totally upright citizen. I Look, you hate to make legislation based on examples and anecdotes, but we do need a broader set of circumstances in which the courts can at least have a hearing to determine whether or not somebody's dangerous enough to hold until trial. And Wayne Chapman. That's a different story. Supreme, with judicial, yeah. Supreme Judicial Court has said, you know, this is a man who uh, raped 100 boys, uh, is allowing him, he cannot yeah. be held any. Are you guys going to refile on, on that? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. the, so... The Chapman story um, goes back over a year now, and um, he was originally scheduled to be released. Um, the, the way the process works is if you get one of two, I think it's just two, I think it's just two uh, court-appointed psychiatrists to 
to say that you're no longer a danger. And in Chapman's case, they said that because of his age and his physical condition. Um, one of them said that he was no longer a danger, that you can be released. And, um, and we, our administration fought that and, um, and, and based on a series of fairly recent events that happened with Chapman, we were able to stay that release, but eventually, um, we lost it, but we had filed legislation last year, um, which we expect and anticipate we'll have a conversation with the legislature again this year to broaden the universe, um, from just two psychiatrists to a panel of five and to basically say that, you know, if that if a majority of the people on that panel don't think he should be released or whoever it is that comes later should be released that they won't be. But How we thought one out of two was pretty low bar. Yeah. How do you feel about the legislature considering that there would be no life without parole sentence in Massachusetts? I'm not a fan of that either. Yeah. I think, look, um, under state and federal constitutional law, when it comes to kids, um, there's a limit to how far you can go. Um, I think life without parole for somebody under the age of 18 in Massachusetts, I think it's 30 years and then you're eligible for parole. That's the sort of response to the cruel and unusual punishment issue associated with life without parole for kids. Um, but when it comes to adults, I think life without parole should absolutely be part of the conversation and that prosecutors and courts need to have that tool available to them. Definitely. Um, your thoughts on ICE and whether they ought to be uh, in our in our courts here in Massachusetts arresting people. So um, we actually filed legislation on this too. Um, there was a state judicial state supreme judicial court decision that was rendered maybe eighteen months two years ago. Now at this point, that said um, under current th that there is no state law in place that creates a process to detain somebody if they've actually gone through whatever process they need to go through. Um, and that therefore, um, law enforcement and the courts in Massachusetts don't have a mechanism to honor a detainer if the feds are looking to, to, to get to somebody. Um, and we filed legislation last year saying, here's a set of criteria, you know, violent crimes, terrorism, uh, domestic violence, rape, murder, that kind of stuff. Uh, where we believe um, we should have a state law that enables law enforcement, municipal and state law enforcement and the courts, uh, to collaborate with um, federal uh, law enforcement officials, ICE, um, if there are questions about somebody's status as a citizen. That legislation um, didn't pass last year. I think it would solve this problem and create a mechanism to make it possible for this to be dealt with. And uh, I really hope it gets taken up by the legislature this year because clearly what we have now is not working. And the situation, the circumstance with Judge Joseph is a perfect example of that. Do you think she should be back on the bench? Um, well, Ever? she's not. She's not yeah. on the bench now. She's, but do you think I she think she's suspended without pay pending yeah. the results of the trial. Um, I said at the time that this whole story broke that it needed to be investigated. Um, the... U.S. attorney has determined that uh, it was worthy of an indictment, and it's now up to a federal court, which is, frankly, you know... How it should be? How it should be. Yeah. All right. Well, um... Boy, that was a lot of criminal justice. There was a lot of criminal justice yeah. stuff, Monday yeah. morning. Well, you know, I mean, I, I have I, I have one other question. Brian's back. Let me do this before we let you go. Brian, what's going on? Hey, thanks, Greg. Hey, hey Governor Baker. How you doing? Good. Good. So, um, quick question. It, it, it's is there no appetite uh, for actually putting a solution in place 
for stopping people um, using their using their phones, their devices, um, besides maybe a Bluetooth connectivity in the car. I mean, I, I work as a technology expert. I know that it's, it's just very simple uh, procedure. I mean, I, I can set up a, an app to do that relatively quickly, uh, but I think it's a lot like schools. We don't let kids use their phones, and it's, it's frankly the, what we have right now isn't working. I think some of the traffic is basically because people are doing everything but driving. And, I, you know, I just wanted to know if there would be an appetite to put something like that in place where you just couldn't use your phone for anything, you know, besides a Bluetooth connectivity during so, driving. So technology that would basically prevent you from ever using your phone at all when you're in the car is what you're saying. Except for where it ties into, you know, Bluetooth into your phone or into a headset. Okay. Like yeah. you, can't, you can't browse data. I know the legislature's considering... Yeah, uh, that actually is currently under debate on Beacon Hill, and I think the House actually passed a hands-free... Um, law last week i you know call me crazy well, but I'm, i don't think it just i don't think it has to just be about bluetooth i mean my um my phone has i mean if i ask siri to make a phone call siri will make a phone call right um and she knows everybody in my <laughs> um in your contact in list? my contact list and um and i i really think the technology there to use brian's point has gotten to the point where um it's it's worthy of um, of pursuing a law to deal with the texting while driving thing. Because Brian's right. I mean, anybody who's ever stopped at a traffic light anywhere, mm -hmm. every single head around you is down. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Mm -hmm. a lot of them are down while you're driving. Yeah. And, um, In the left lane. And, and mm -hmm. some really terrible things have happened as yeah. a result of that. Hey, can we talk about the Bruins for like a minute? Yes, I yes. Mean, we'll talk about the Bruins <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. What do you, I mean, how amazing. Isn't it's it amazing? A, it's totally amazing. It's, I mean, That's this what is I the, talk it's about the greatest it. city, greatest sports city in the world. But I just, um, that team, um, they are, playoff hockey's great, but they're enormously fun to watch. Um, yeah. The, all four lines can score. Um, the quality of their defense has been terrific. Tuka Rask is, Rask is having a series like I've never seen him have. Tuka's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, Tuka, Tuka's yeah, amazing. He took so much heat at the beginning of the year. No yes. one likes yeah. him because <laughs> right. he's, you know, right. he, he's like, he's never too high, never too low. Right. Hillman exactly. and I were talking right. about it. He's like Placido Domingo, you know, yeah. right in the middle. And uh, he's he's just laser show. But I, um, I mean, watching... Watching the way this it's going to be San Jose or St. Louis, and I have to believe against either one of them, the Bruins are going to be favored. I think so. I mean, that could be a Governor Jinx. I mean, there's the Hillman Jinx, and then there's the I Governor said could Jinx. be. I didn't could say. <laughs> well, listen, there may be yet another parade to. Uh, to, to well, we've gone on. we've gone a hundred days in this town without a parade. I think we're due. <laughs> we're due for another one, Governor. Well, I would yes. love San Jose because of Joe Thorne. Well, some people want that. I like St. Louis though too. I, I I look at it. Where do I want to travel to go to a game? Oh, okay. uh, that's the way oh, I. Look the other thing that would be interesting about St. Louis is, you know, the Red Sox beat the Cardinals. Yes, when yes. They won their uh, first World Series championship. And while the Rams were in L.A., they yeah. were yeah. not so long ago that right. they were in St. Louis. And it might be kind of – and the you know when the last time was that the St. Louis Blues were in the um, – we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. I think it was the Bobby Orr year. It with, was. With the, That's uh, actually with the flying, right. The most the iconic goal. moment of yes, all. Can you yes. imagine having Bobby Orr waving the flag oh, at the start of the oh, opening oh, game oh, of that one great. with the, you know, the uh, with the well, he'd have to leap in the air up on like, the jumbotron. Well, they'd have the to have him like we'll get LB and some of the guys to hold Carry him up around, in that yeah. in that position. <laughs> yes, yeah, but no, it's exciting, Governor. It really is. All right, and marching in some Memorial Day parades. I'm assuming. I'm actually going to go put flags on. On uh, veterans' uh, graves in the military cemetery in Bourne. Oh, um, awesome! 
the um, I'm having a bad time with names this morning. There's a a guy whose son is from Fall River, whose son is a Medal of Honor recipient. He died um, in um, in the war against terror, and uh, he he does this every year and has done it since his son passed. And I'm gonna go down and do it with him. Awesome. Um, and I'll obviously pay my respects at some of the other state um, veteran cemeteries as well. But it's, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a, the weekend sometimes gets lost in, uh, in the barbecues and the softball games and all the rest. But in the end, um, it was it established by, um, by the moms and the husbands, or excuse me, by the moms and the wives of Confederate and Union soldiers who died in the uh, Civil War. And it was originally Decoration Day, I think is what it was called. And they went out and put flowers on their graves. And um, and it eventually became this country's way of recognizing and honoring everyone who dies in war, defending and, and protecting our freedoms. And, um, and, and if you have a chance to go visit a cemetery and put a flag on a few graves, um, it's a very meaningful and, and, and poignant way to spend the weekend. Well, it's great to see you. Good um, to see you, too. I'm glad that there's at least one person who was satisfied by the Game of Thrones sort of series, finale, <laughs> series yeah. finale. Um, and we'll see you next month. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, there's the governor. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.